Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Save the Kids podcast. It's your one-stop shop for raising kids in this tech-heavy world. We bring on professionals and experts to give you all the tools you need to help your kids become fire-breathing warriors that have the strength to break out of the mold society has put them in. At the end of the day, we're all here for one reason, to help save some kids. I'm your host, Nate Webb. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Save the Kids podcast. It's your host, Nate Webb, live in Studio Salt Lake City area, and we got a show for you today. You know, one topic that continues to be something that we parents struggle with big time is those trigger-happy concepts of pornography and sex. I mean, what to talk about, when to talk about it, and how we can empower our kids to make good decisions without what we fear is stealing their innocence. It can be hard. So anytime I come across an educator who can help us in that arena, I know we just gots to get them on here. So we have here with us today, Kristen Miele is a sex educator with online curriculum available for kids ages three all the way up to 18. She noticed a massive gap in sexual health resources, particularly faith-based resources when she was living abroad. When she came back to the States in 2021, she began to work for the Sex Ed Reclaimed, a full sexual health uh, edu- health education curriculum available to use at home or school. She has been married to her husband for 11 years and they have a five-year-old daughter and they live in Columbus, Ohio, but root for the bears, which the Packers <laughs> still have ownership over. Um, <laughs> my boy, Jordan love, just kidding. I went to Utah state university, same time as Jordan love. No big deal. Mm, um, so anyway, well, welcome to the show. So happy to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for that intro. Uh, it's it's fun to think back and think about all the ways that I felt really led here and led to this mm-hmm. space. And you know, it's not like a simple A to A to B. It's like a lot of bumps right. along the way and seeing, like you said, gaps and um, wanting to speak into those gaps. So yeah, definitely, you've quite the journey into this space. Um, mm-hmm. So you were uh, where were you living abroad? We lived in Honduras for almost three years. Honduras. Yeah. That's that's Spanish speaking. Yeah. Yes. Spanish did you learn Spanish. In those sure did. Mm-hmm. Yep. Speak Spanish. We live in uh, we lived in. It's like if you imagine Central America where it kind of starts to curve around. That's where Honduras is. And we lived right on the north coast, um, okay. right by the beach and the jungle and just really pretty. Yeah. So tell us about, about, I guess, how you found, you you said, you know, it's the massive gaps in sexual health resources while you're living abroad. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I think to be honest, I really started noticing them as a young person. I just didn't realize that was the gap I was, I was recognizing. I was in public school, uh, grew up in a great Christian family, wonderful parents, wonderful church. Actually, I was a part of, and um, even in my, my public school, which is honestly it this the town I grew up in is voted oftentimes by Money Magazine, whatever that really means for the regular world, but voted as one of the best places to raise your kids in America. Right. And it was like, I think in many ways, it was just like this perfect childhood. And yet, um, with my school and with my church and with my parents, I never really had much education around sexual health. So that's actually when I noticed the real gap. And I bet a lot of your listeners can understand that and relate to that. When we think back on our lives, it's like, where was this conversation? Mm -hmm. And then um, when I got to college, I took a human sexuality class as a lot of people do in college and thought of it as just kind of funny and um, like almost like cute in a way, like it was just kind of hilarious. And 
well, it turns out in grad school that that was the class I was going to be teaching and I had no idea. So I was really scared at the time to teach this class because I didn't know anything myself, but that was the beginning of my learning. And so I really noticed the gap all along, like, you know, as a young person in college, in grad school, um, and then lived out here in Columbus for several years and taught sex ed in about like 50 to 60 locations. But then when I went abroad, I figured I would just be doing more of a public health work, more community health work. And it turned out that people were really interested in the sex ed part of my life. Like, wait, Mm. you talk about that. How do we talk about that? Uh, Honduras is primarily a Catholic nation. Um, And they do not have conversations about sexual health education. So um, they, that was what I ended up doing a lot of in school and um, in just kind of parent groups and homes and and that kind of thing. So I have seen the gap constantly and consistently my entire life. And I think a lot of people could connect to that. Wow. And so then what got you to, to sex ed reclaimed? Sex ed reclaimed was something I began actually in January of this year. So it's young. Yes, okay. I'm quite okay. young. Um, but I've been doing sex ed for over a decade. And right. um, my my background is in public health and health education, specifically with with kids. And so when I came back from Honduras, I was really thinking about what am I meant to be doing? And uh sex ed reclaimed really came to me through prayer, actually, of okay, all the lectures I did in schools and with groups of people, like I can film that and I can put this online. And I came back to United States of America that seemed way more divided, um, you know, way more um, fearful. Right. And uh, some of that was with warrant and there was yeah. more school shootings and there was just so much going on that I could see how a lot of families were led to homeschooling or private school or Christian school. But regardless of what you choose for your kids, like you don't know that their sex life is going to be any good at all. Mm-hmm. Like seriously. Um, and so this was, a, again, this gap that came to mind of like, Hey, why don't I teach, but make it accessible for anyone. And that's where Sex Ever Claim was really born. Um, the prayer time was in November of 2021, and I launched in uh, January of 2023. So I was really filming all of 2022. Putting in the work. Man, yes. Getting it all filmed up. And so yeah. what is the goal of Sex Ed Reclaimed? What is your vision? What do you guys do? Not the Spark Notes version. Let's give it to us. Yes. So... I would like to hear the next generation say, my parents taught me about sex and they actually did a really great job. Wouldn't and, that be wonderful, guys? Right. Because like, all of the 30-something-year-olds, like moi, okay, mm-hmm. love my parents to death. But sex education did not know how it worked, guys. I was like a solid, probably 18, 19-year-old before I knew how it worked. That's not okay. That's not no. okay. No. And it's not even, it's not even just like how it worked, but like really what it, all the questions you had as an 18 year old, like you probably wanted answered. Right. And so where did you go? You went to Google at that point. The internet. Yes. yes. That's how I got exposed to pornography as a kid. Mm -hmm. Mm A hundred percent. It happens regularly. And it doesn't matter if your family is a great family, a bad family, a Christian family, a non-Christian family, the internet is there. And that is really the great equalizer for all of us. And so 
exposure happens instead of education. And I don't want that to be the case for people. I want kids to go in um, to adulthood and through puberty informed and feel um, no shame and no embarrassment or as little embarrassment as possible and really be able to approach their family and talk about this topic in a way that's educational and holistic and really beautiful, actually, so that they can reject the things that are lies from the world, um, knowing that that is not real. That's that's fake. Um, That's not the truth. Um, This is the truth. I think one of the things plaguing, especially Christian culture right now Mm -hmm. with with sex ed is purity culture. Yeah. Um, You know, we sex before marriage, a lot of, you know, Christian beliefs, you know, you need to save yourself for marriage. And if that's your belief, that's awesome. That is also my belief, but the way we talk about it um, makes sex a very negative thing. And it also makes it kind of traumatic for people when mm-hmm. they get married, their first night is like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm sinning. I'm mm-hmm. doing the thing that I, and so I don't know. Uh, what are some of the effects of, of purity culture and how can we, how can we do better? How can we turn that around a little bit? Yeah, that's a real, you know, b- whole books have been written on that. <laughs> yes, there have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, literally, you can find books about the effects of purity culture. So people have different opinions on this, but I would say one of the main effects of purity culture, and I don't think it was an intentional effect, but it definitely was a felt effect, is that it taught us that if you do certain things, you will get certain things, whether mm-hmm. those things are bad or good. And then um, if you do these things that are good and get the good thing, that then life is good. And there's like no gray area around that. So purity mm-hmm. culture was very black and white, what I would call legalistic. Um, if this, then this. And in that, it really shamed the people who did the plan B or the second option or right. or or the thing that you weren't supposed to do. And it just made people kind of feel like crap. Um, Again, don't think that was the intention, but this effect, this ripple effect of it was that it impacted kids and their ideology about sex and sexuality really young. Um, And it made it othering, which is a very important part of bullying, which is what you talk about. Like it made othering so normalized, like they do this, but I do this. They deserve this, but I deserve this. And that is just not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Segregation. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, Again, I don't think that was the intention of people who were teaching within purity culture. But if you look up even just on YouTube, like some purity culture teachings, they are pretty messed up Um, and still actually ironically are treating people like objects. Um, Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Subjectifying people. Yes. Yes. Objectifying people through different means by being like, you are, you know, like this flower whose petals are getting ripped off or like this piece of state tape that's like being stuck a to different piece of things. Jew that piece piece not Jew piece of gum that's chewed up. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Which it's terrible to imagine yourself as a piece of gum chewed up if you've been assaulted or if you did make a decision to have sex at a young age um, or a younger age. And now you're, you know, older and thinking, am I, am I still identifying kind of as that chewed piece of gum without even realizing it? Like I am less than, and that is just not okay at all. No. So those are some of the, if I can answer in a more basic way, the effects of purity culture that linger in in us as parents and have uh, put us on a certain, I don't know, disadvantage, put us at a certain disadvantage to be able to talk about this topic with our kids. Mm -hmm. And that sucks for us. Like we don't, we don't want that. Um, But we don't know how to do it because nobody modeled how to talk about this well uh, with the next generation. And so we have to change that narrative and take an active part in saying, you know what? No, I'm not going to participate in what I was 
you know, seeing as a young person, I'm going to do something different. And that means I'm going to have conversations with my kids, like a million little conversations, not just one big talk, not birds in the bees, right? Like little conversations as um, needs arise, but also as I see opportunities around myself and um, as my kid goes through puberty and starts to grow up. And I recognize that a lot of parents like want to have that conversation or interested in those conversations, but don't really know how. And that's really where sex ever claimed comes in because I have all the conversations for you um, ready to push and play for your kids so that then you can talk about them afterward. Okay. So, get all the correct information. so it's yeah. a thing that you can view with your, with, with, the, Absolutely, with your children. Yeah. Like I would say that's the most feedback I've gotten has been that parents have really liked watching it with their kid because then their kid looks to them as the expert. So even though they're not the expert or they feel like they can't answer everything, right. right. They kind of appear to be because they're the one choosing to show their child this stuff. And like their child doesn't know who I am. Right. But they know who their parent is. And so they're able to now talk to their parent, turn to their parent and have those conversations because they've just watched this content together. I know something a lot of parents struggle with is knowing what is appropriate for their child at what age, because they're so afraid of stealing their child's innocence. Mm-hmm. And so how do you gauge, you know, case by case, what is appropriate to share with a child at what age when it comes to sex education? Mm-hmm. So I personally am gauging from experience. I've been in hundreds, if not thousands of classrooms, and I have heard the kids' questions. Um, I'm a parent myself, but I've taught so many kids. And I think particularly faith-based families think that their child does not know or should not know or will not know. And that is a fallacy. That is not true. The questions I hear from little Christian kids or little whatever non-Christian kids in my classroom, whatever faith you want to choose, are really the same as the ones I hear um, from others. Like they all blend together. And again, that's kind of because the internet is the the great equalizer. All kids at some point have seen a TikTok, whether they own social media or own a phone or not. They understand what people are saying about sex and sexuality on some level. And so then when I come into their classroom as their sex ed guest speaker, they're like asking me the things that I think their parents would be mortified by. So what? as much, yeah. Do you say what? Like what? <laughs> like what? Like, um, you, okay. We're going there. All right. Yes, Let's so go like, there. Oh yeah. Like yeah. I will have a kid who's like, so the first time you have sex, it's normal for like there to be like a few people there. Right. It's like, well, yeah, what do you mean by that? Like a few people at once. Like, yeah. Someone's looked at porn. That is what that says. Oh my gosh. Someone's seen pornography. Exactly. And so, um, you know, or I'll have a kid who is like, oh, I didn't know babies don't come in storks. Like that's always what my mom has told me. And they're like 13 (laughs) years old. And you're like, oh gosh, you know, you're a bit too old for this, but they truly have never heard anything different. Um, So even though you might view that second example as, wow, she's quite innocent. She didn't, she doesn't need the information. No, she absolutely needed the information. There's no reason a 13 year old should still be believing that babies are delivered by some bird. This is not real. Um, it's kind of like when you're 17 and you still believe in Santa Claus, like it's just a bit awkward. Like, oh, who's going to tell, you know, if you start young with basic information, like this is called the penis, this is called the vagina. Nobody right. should be touching that part of the body. This is how you clean that part of the body. Um, we always keep our clothes on. Then by the time they're 10, 15, it's so much easier to have conversations because you've been doing it since they were two. Yeah. Um 
But even if you haven't, if you're listening right now and you have a 12 year old and you've never really talked about anything, you have to start today. And it might be by acknowledging the elephant in the room of like, Hey, you know, I always thought it would be like taking away something from you. If I talked about this and now I realize it's actually giving you something. I want to give you information. I want to give you the space to be able to talk about how your body's changing, to be able to talk about what kinds of things you're seeing at and school or, um, on social media. And like, we're going to do this through video content called sex ever claimed, or we're going to do this by having conversations together. Um, acknowledge that you've never said anything and then move forward um, mm-hmm. because your child is needing it and they're going to go somewhere for it. If you don't show up. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that, that brings us to my next point. I mean, pornography and kids, it, I have not met it. I've been a high school counselor for four years now, and mm-hmm. I have not met a single kid that has not been exposed to pornography right. at some point because of the great equalizer, because of that internet friend. Um, yeah. But so many kids are scared to tell their parents, A, because of because of purity culture and because of how we talk about pornography. Yes, we know it's damaging, but because we talk about it so negatively and shamefully all the time, when kids inevitably view it or are exposed to it at some level, they're mortified to tell their mm-hmm. parents that they ran into it. And so what what do we say? What to, you know, if our kid talks to us that, mom, I looked at some pornography today. Mm-hmm. A, they need to know the word pornography to be able to tell you that they really? looked at pornography. How do we yeah. approach that? Yeah, that's a great question. I love that question. So I think, first of all, you thank them for telling you. I think that's really important. You acknowledge that this is like a hard topic, but you're glad that they're coming to you with that. And you want them to know that you're still, you're always going to be here for that conversation. I think you also normalize it, not in the sense that porn is normal, like it's like done normally, but rather that it's an, it is a normal thing to come across and to see, um, and that it's even normal for people to go and look for it. So you say, you know what, I, understand. I know that a lot of people have been exposed to porn, but I want you to know the truth about it. And so that's really where you get into, this is not um, a real couple. This is not love. This doesn't show love. This isn't a real relationship. In fact, a lot of people who are in porn are actually hurt they're um, being exploited. Um, and it might depend, you know, if the, if the kid is seven and telling you this, you might not want to go into human trafficking, right? But right. if the child is older, really having an honest conversation about how do these people end up in this space? Because so many people, young people believe that uh, the actors in that, if you will, want to be in that. And that is yeah. just not true. And so yeah. really thanking them, first of all, um, asking them, especially if they're young, how did you feel when you saw that? That might help mm-hmm. you to really start the conversation well. But how did you feel? You might hear that they say, oh, I'm more curious, excited, um, confused, scared, you know, all the gamut of, of emotions are all normal. Um, but then you can kind of go off based on what they felt like, well, what do you wish had happened instead? Or what do you, what do you want to know about it? Um, Mm -hmm. Ask me some questions about it. I really want to talk to you. Um, You might say like, what could I say to help you right now? Um, What would be something that would be, would be helpful to you? So remembering that some kids initially do find it interesting, intriguing, um, and, and some find it really scary. And so listening to the response and adjusting uh, what your answer is, Um, And then it might be that, of course, you get filters or, of course, you set up new boundaries or we take away certain social media or um, we say, you know what, we're going to do this in our home now. But that is going to be dependent on your family. Yeah, it is. It can be difficult, uh, you know, conversation to approach, but it is easier to approach the more you talk about it without an antecedent. 
you know, yes. without some, without some scary, oh, this happened. So we have to mm-hmm. talk about it. Right. Versus if, what if, what if sex and pornography were some of the most regular words in your home? Mm-hmm. How much mm-hmm. less scary would it be for your children to talk to you about it when, not if, when yeah. they come across it in the wild? And, and, and also normalizing the conversation about emotions in particular men. And this is stereotypical. So it is a stereotype. It's not true of all, but men don't know how to express their emotions from a young age. And that is a problem because do you know what they end Mm -hmm. up going to is they might end up going to pornography as this outlet and women are in that camp too. And so normalizing conversations about emotions in the home and really being able to like, Hey, you're, I see you're angry right now, or I see you're feeling really frustrated. Are you overwhelmed? What, like how, what, what's a good yeah. healthy habit to get into right now? Um, and modeling healthy habits when you yourself as a parent or as an adult are, are overwhelmed, frustrated, angry, sad, um, so that your kids can see that. I think that's another conversation that needs to be normalized that actually has more connection to bullying or to uh, issues around sex and sexuality and gender or to um, challenges in the home than, than we give credit to. Yeah, 100%. It is. Uh, yes. Yeah. I think you hit the nail right on the head there. Um, there's, I mean, additionally, there's just, I feel like in this topic in general, even not, not in Christian homes, there's just a lot of shame around the discussion of sex, um, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to our kids. And I like how you said, it's not taking their innocence, it's giving them knowledge mm-hmm. um, and empowering them really. So that mm-hmm. a, if they see pornography in the wild, when they see pornography in the wild, they know how to run away. They mm-hmm. they can they can they can identify it and then mm-hmm. they can run away from it and then they can mm-hmm. tell you about it. Yeah. Versus versus consume, hide, and yeah. feel exactly and continue on in in addiction and shame. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um and so as kids grow older, you can share more and more things. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the great thing about Sex Ed Reclaim, you have a whole curriculum from like three to what, 18? Yeah. Yeah. And so how yeah. many videos is that total? Have you ever totaled it up? So, yeah, I have. It's 92, which what? sounds <laughs> it sounds crazy. Over and like not- 15 years, though. That's not a big deal. That's not a big deal. Yeah. Oh, over like 15 years. Like, oh, oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, over like 15 years. That's not right. a big deal, right? Right, right. I get what you're saying. Yeah, totally. So yeah, it's it's a lot of videos because sexuality, sex, and gender are really nuanced and sometimes they feel complicated um in, in our world today. And so I talk about it all. One of my big hang-ups with purity culture or with um, kind of the past and how we confronted sex and faith-based communities was that we didn't want to talk about all the little scary things in it, the things we didn't feel prepared to. And I completely understand why generations before didn't feel prepared to, but that has left a huge movement of deconstruction of people leaving the church, people being like, well, you know what? The church won't talk about this kind of lifestyle. So I'm out because I'm not hearing anything. And so I really want the church and the, the parents and family units to talk about this from a young age. And so that's why there's 92 videos It's because there's so many topics that could be discussed or could be talked about. Um, but you're right over the course of their, their childhood, it's not that much um, yeah. really. It's but, not near as overwhelming um, as it looks. <laughs> yeah. I've included it all. So <laughs> And yeah. so, yeah, guys, really, though, this is a wonderful, wonderful resource. Um, And where can where can people see where all this is? You know, shameless plug time. Let's hear it. 
Yes. Shameless plug is that I'm on social media, sex ed reclaimed because I'm all about reclaiming sex ed. Um, I think it's a beautiful opportunity. So sex ed reclaimed is my Facebook, uh, my Instagram, my TikTok. And then I also have a website, sexedreclaimed.com, where you can make a login and get all the content you would like. You can pick which age group you want to purchase, which content you want, or you can just get it all. Um, it's all available on there. I have workbooks and scheduling calendars and um, parent tips and videos. Everything comes included once you get any curriculum on sexedreclaimed.com. That's awesome. So there you go, guys. That will all be in the podcast description. So you can go check her out. Use the wonderful resources she has there for you and the free resources she posts on Instagram that is consumable for you guys all to see. Um, so that'll be all in the podcast description. And thank you so much for being here and having this conversation. I think I'll this is a great place to start, guys. And if this has piqued your interest at all, then I definitely encourage you to go to her website and check out her stuff. Um, and thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's episode. If you would like Save the Kids to come to your church, community, school event, whatever it might be, please use the speaker form linked in the podcast description to get that conversation started so we can bring our message to you. It truly takes a village. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Always remember, you are wonderful, you are worthy, and you are worth it. Go home and give your kids an eight-second hug, and we'll see you on the next one.